0: How can you reclaim yourself in our complex world? Our guest shares her keys to being enough. Join us for episode 193 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper.
1: This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now here's
0: Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated, and sitting right across from me as always is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott.
1: Hi, Pam. It's always great to join you again on Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and, of course, their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, Pam, one of the toughest issues that's facing so many leaders these days is the feeling of Being enough, not just leaders, but everybody. Being enough is the world and our lives keep changing in so many ways, and it's happening faster and faster.
0: That's true. This feeling of being enough can be a real challenge, especially for high-achieving top leaders. On the one hand, business may be going very well. However, as one CEO told me, it's one thing to get to the top. It's quite another thing to stay there and keep winning. It's a lot of pressure.
1: Yes, it is. And
0: this is on top of the pressures of living life with all of its unexpected twists and turns.
1: Yeah, that's why we're glad to be speaking today with Charlene Wheelis. She's a renowned communications visionary, author, and a speaker with more than three decades of experience in business, corporate affairs, and communications. Charlene leads her namesake communication and business advisory firm, Charlene Wheelless LLC, and she's the senior advisor for equity and justice at APCO Worldwide, a global advisory and advocacy communications consultancy.
0: Charlene has a unique view on this issue of being enough, which she shares in her new book, You Are Enough, Reclaiming Your Career and Your Life with Purpose, Passion, and and unapologetic authenticity. I recently heard Charlene's story in her new keynote, and I was so impacted by her candor and her insights, and I believe those of you listening will be too. So we're just gonna move right into the conversation. Charlene, welcome to Growth Igniter's radio. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. Oh, yes, and congratulations on your new book. What an accomplishment. Thank you, thank you. I'm quite excited about it. So let's talk about this. What prompted you to write your book, You Are Enough? You know,
2: I didn't really set out to write a book, but when people ask me to think about why I wrote the book, I really just have to say that I was tired, and uh, I was tired of turning myself inside out, uh, turning myself into things I didn't recognize, so that I could meet some standard in order to prove to someone that I was enough. Uh, I was coming off of a uh, health health crisis. And in re entering the workforce, I realized that I didn't fit into a life that I had spent more than 30 years building. And so I thought, you know, I have a lot to say, not just about re entering the workforce. But being in the workforce as a black female, just someone from what you might consider a disadvantaged group. And I wanted to share those lessons with others so that maybe their path would be just a little less difficult and maybe a little less lonely.
1: Charlene, you cover a lot of ground in your book. We've both read it. And it's very personal, but there's also lessons that are applicable to a wide range of people. What would you say is the main premise of the book that anyone can take?
2: You know, you're right, it, uh, it covers so much. You know, the book is part memoir, it's part how to and part how not to. And what I mean by that is that I think people can learn by hearing other people's stories. So in the book, I share some very personal, raw stories to help people understand that they aren't alone if they're struggling in the workplace, in life, or anywhere. And as a minority female, as we've mentioned, you know, you're taught and told that you aren't enough. This book tells you why you are. And I would lastly say this book is also for leaders and managers to give them an up-close look at what their employees, and not just their female or minority employees, are experiencing in the workplace. You know, having been in the C-suite for so long, I'm confident that most leaders don't know the extent to what their non-traditional employees are going through, nor Mm -hmm. do they know how they're contributing to it. And this book really opens the door for everyone to see what's really going on and how they can make the path easier for people.
0: It's really interesting because when I started reading the book, at first I said, well, this is one woman's story. And then I start saying, well, yes, but it also is a human story, too. So many of us feel this sense of no matter how successful we are, we're never quite, you know, are we really enough? You know, maybe there's right. that nagging doubt." And I hear it so often from people. I mean, was that something that you originally felt was going on in your corporate career at first? Or was this something that you had to get distance from in order to come to this book?
2: Yeah, you know, I have just felt this way all the time in my life, growing up as a black female in America and then building a career in corporate America You know, we are always taught or told uh, that we are not enough. And so you find yourself in this constant proving mode, you know, proving that you're this or that you're that or you're not this or that you're not that. You know, and after a while, Pam, it is really exhausting. And you -hmm. you look up and you don't even know who you are. And yes, you've achieved a certain level of success, but then you have to ask yourself at what price, you know, what price did I pay for this success? And once I reached that point, that's when I really started looking to live more with purpose, with passion, and unapologetically, I believe very strongly that people can succeed by being themselves. And that's really what this book is about, is helping you
0: understand that you can succeed just by being you, that you are enough. And so that sense of purpose and passion sounds like it really helped you reclaim your, Absolutely. your life. Absolutely.
2: You know, I've I've always been someone who's on a mission. I consider myself a trailblazer, you know, busting up stereotypes and breaking down barriers. Uh, but after I uh, had cancer, And uh, I had a cancer journey that was, uh, by all accounts, intended to last about seven months through treatment and ended up stretching uh, to more than three and a half years. You know, when I looked up and I realized that I needed to recreate my world, you know, I really became emboldened to talk about so many things that people don't talk about. And it all leads up to, you know, whether or not you fit into the workplace or whether or not you fit into the life that has been carved out for you or that you've carved out. And uh, I just really had a passion to help people free themselves from all of that. And, uh, you know, once I realized that I didn't fit into the life that I had spent so long building, I had to really think about what was my purpose? You know, what is my purpose for being here? And it became very clear to me that it is this book, it's the lessons in the book, and it's my ability to tell the unvarnished truth to help people become more free, to become more of themselves, and to feel comfortable
0: within themselves. So as a top leader yourself in your corporate career, and now, of course, how can this book help more top leaders? Well, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, what I tell
2: leaders, uh, both when I was writing the book, when I started talking about the book, and uh, just thinking about where we are, you know, we are in a moment where leading with humanity, compassion, and empathy has never been more important And so I really want to encourage leaders to think about that as they're leading their organizations. You know, there's the saying that if your people are at risk, your business is at risk. And that's never been more true than it is right now.
0: Mm, And so with
2: leaders, as particularly as we're trying to dig out of the pandemic and figuring out what's the right way to work, you know, what's the normal way to work when normality doesn't really exist anymore. The three keys to me are humanity, compassion, and empathy. Take care of your employees, and your employees will take care of your customers, and will take care of your business.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dig deeper with Charlene Wheelis, author of the book, You Are Enough, about some of the life lessons she shares. Stay with us.
1: This is Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. And as always, we focus on enabling C-suite leaders to accelerate momentum for game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth.
0: To everyone listening, welcome. We're glad you joined us, whether it's because you're a subscriber or you just found us wherever you pick up your podcasts. But there's a special reason to visit growthignitersradio.com. This is the only way you can access all of the previous podcast episodes from over six years.
1: It's also the only place you can find unique show notes, biographies, and resource links specifically related to each of our podcast episodes. Subscribe today by going to growthignitersradio.com. Click on sign up now. And to learn more about us and Business Advancement Incorporated, go to businessadvance.com slash about us.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Charlene Wheelis, author of the book, You Are Enough, about the keys to feeling whole despite all the pressures we face in this complex world. Charlene, how can people find out more about you and your book? Well, the best place to find
2: out more about me is on my website at charlenewheelis.biz. And certainly another is by looking at my social media channels, primarily LinkedIn, where you can find me at Charlene Wheelis, and also
0: Instagram at charwheelis. So people can find you in a lot of places. You can also find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com Episode 193 and scrolling down to resources. Charlene, we were talking before the break about how this book is really universal in so many ways for leaders, especially having to do with how do you feel enough and what are some of these life lessons that you've learned? So we're going to take a sampling. I mean, this book, as I was going (laughs) through it, was there were so many life lessons. There's
1: a lot to it.
0: So we're just going to take a sample pack so everyone knows this. <laughs> Start with a life lesson that came to you from your chapter called Stop Telling Me You Don't See Color or Gender. Let's talk about that. Yes.
2: Yeah, so this one really became even more important in the times that we're living in today. Of course, you know, our world has been going through uh, a reckoning with racial justice or rather racial injustice. Mm -hmm. And it's opened up an opportunity for us all to talk about race in the workplace. And for most of my career, you know, I've heard people say in most of my life, oh, I don't see color and I don't see gender. I treat Mm -hmm. everyone the same.
0: I've heard that a lot.
2: Uh, Yeah. And every time I hear that, I just cringe. You know, first off is um, stop saying it. You know, I want you to see my color and my gender, because when you tell me that you don't see color or gender, you're telling me that you don't see me. And I want you to see me. I just don't want you to care that I'm a different color or a different gender from you, you know. And uh, leaders often say, "Well, I treat everybody the same." And I think it's important for people to understand that equity and equality are not the same thing. It's you a really good know, You can treat everyone with equality, but that isn't equity. You know, and one of the simplest examples that um, that I take, and it, it might sound a little silly, but it I think it uh, brings home the point. You know, you can have. Three or four different kind of plants, and let's say, you know, I'm not a really a plant person, but let's say one's oh, a cactus. Oh, I am. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. so, so you know different plants. So let's yeah. say, one's tell a me cactus,
1: my, tell me right? my passion.
2: Right. So there's yeah. one's a cactus, and then you know, maybe you have um, something that requires a little bit more, um, you know, love and care. Mm-hmm. Well, if you water all of your plants the same, you're treating them equally. Mm -hmm. But your cactus is going to die because your cactus doesn't need that much water Mm -hmm. and your other plant may need something else. So you may be delivering equality, but you're not delivering equity because equity is about giving each unique plant what they need to Mm -hmm. grow and thrive. So I really try to emphasize to people, one, stop telling me that you don't see color or gender, because if you do, you're telling me that you don't see me and people want to be seen. Uh, And the other is as a leader, especially if all you're doing is focusing on equality, you are building injustice into your systems and structures in your workplace.
0: So are you seeing, Charlene, that maybe because of everything that we've been going through over this last year, especially, that there are starting to be mindset shifts? Because I think it starts with a mindset, right? Absolutely. You know, you can do things, but if your heart isn't in it, it's like you say, you know, it's passion as well. Are you seeing some progress there? I am seeing progress. Uh, I think that progress is
2: slow, and it needs to be accelerated. But I am encouraged uh, by the number of leaders who are starting to understand that they have to start with themselves you know, it's not enough to set up a DE&I practice within your company, or to start talking about DE&I, that you really have to make a personal journey yourself, uh, first and foremost. And I'm starting to see more and more leaders understand that. We've been talking about and when I say we, I mean, in the workplace, you know, we've been talking about DE&I for 3040 years, Absolutely. You know, if if the traditional approaches worked, we wouldn't need to be talking about it anymore. So, you know, instead of doubling down on what doesn't work, let's take a step, I say, to the left and really look at equity and justice and look at our own behaviors and beliefs. And I think that's the best place to start. And I'm really thankful and really encouraged that more and more leaders
0: are beginning to see that and are following up what they see with action. They're confronting more of the uh, biases, the unconscious biases that shape those attitudes, those mindsets. Right, absolutely. And it's hard.
2: You know, this isn't something that's going to change overnight because it's deep rooted. And of course, mm-hmm. unconscious bias is called that because it's unconscious. And so, you know, we really have to work together and work with others so that we can become more self-aware uh, when it comes to issues of equity and issues of race and so- and social justice.
1: And of course, this isn't just out of the goodness of our hearts because it's the right thing to do, although it is. It's also a real asset. Having different viewpoints, having different people, whoever they are, race, gender, cognitive style, whatever, it adds enough texture that you get really much, much better decisions and actions, whatever you're doing.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, what I would add to that is you know, it's not enough to just have diversity within your workforce. You then have to make sure that those people have um, have a voice, that they're heard, that you see and use their value. Because it's it's not just a numbers game.
1: Yeah. And
2: some companies, you know, early on, it's about um, it's about talent management. Are we getting minorities in the door? Um, and that certainly is an important part of the equation, but it's not the whole solution. Right. You know, I I have a, a saying that I um often uh will recite is that, you know, just because you have a seat at the table doesn't mean that others are comfortable with you being there. Yeah. And true D E I, true equity is when Others are comfortable with you being there.
1: And welcome you. Yeah, Absolutely. Charlene, you have another chapter, uh, There's No Such Thing as Work-Life Balance. (laughs) And when I first read that, I went, oh, that sounds threatening. But but it's not. (laughs) Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit more about that?
2: Yeah, so I'd like to say that's probably my favorite chapter, but I think I could say that about all of them. But here's the thing. There is no such thing as work-life balance. There just isn't. So stop trying to get it. I think so many people spend so much time worrying about, well, how how do I balance this? How do I balance that? And again, I want to free people by letting them know there is no such thing as work-life balance. You know, when you're killing it at work and you are doing a great job, you can be sure that your family's not so happy with you right? Mm -hmm. And when you're doing great at home and you're cutting your kids' sandwiches into little animal shapes and all the things that you think you're supposed to be doing, chances are work isn't really happy with you either because you're not spending enough time there. So I really try to tell people, you know, stop trying to balance and seek harmony. But more importantly, make decisions that work for you and your family and don't apologize
0: for them ever. Okay, so you never actually just have time that's hanging around, no matter who you are. So how do you make those decisions? I mean, you have to become aware of what you're doing first, right? Oh, absolutely.
2: And it's always a give and take. But what I find frequently is that people will make a decision. uh, Often it's women, but not always. will make a decision and then they will beat themselves up about it. And that's the amount of time that I want people to get back. You know, stop second guessing yourself and decide in any moment what is the best thing for you or what is the best thing for your family and live through that decision own it, but you don't have to apologize to anybody about it. You know, there's a story in the book where, where I acknowledge that, yes, I paid my daughter not to be a Girl Scout. Uh, and if you want the details of that, you have to read the book. <laughs> <But> <laughs> okay.
1: it's,
2: it's all about making decisions and sticking with them because it's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Different things work for different families.
0: It goes back to that whole point about purpose and passion. You know, absolutely. I suppose if it resonates with your purpose and passion, then it's time well spent.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you know, we all seem to be working towards this, um, this false ideal that I no longer even want to understand because I think it undercuts who we are And um, our uniqueness and what we bring to the table and work-life balance falls right in there. You know, and I also, you know, I tell people, you know, we learned some good things from the pandemic. There were some good things that came out of it. Um, one example for me is that I can get my favorite Mexican food and margaritas delivered to my door. So yes. now, why would I want to give that up? So, you know, we've become somewhat of a, um, a convenience society. And I say lean into that. If that helps you free up time to do something that's more meaningful for you. For some people, that may be finishing that project at work. For some people, it may be um, taking up a new hobby. And for others, it may be spending time with your family. But do what you need to do in order to focus on what you're
0: passionate about. That's a good point. So the hardest chapter for me to read, but so important, is your life lessons on the chapter Cancer Changes You. That's tough to face up to.
2: Well, that was probably the hardest chapter for me to write. Uh, I had spent my entire adult life uh, becoming the person that I was before I had cancer. And I had every expectation that when I no longer had cancer, that I would just pick up right where I left off. I was an achievement junkie, and I didn't see any reason why I couldn't still be an achievement junkie. You know, but the funny thing about um, having cancer, and I imagine any disease, is uh, when you're diagnosed, everybody rallies around you to help you fight for your life, to take on that fight for your life. But what no one tells you is that when you look up, that life that you spent so much time and energy fighting for may not be the life that you want, and it may mm. not be the life that you fit into anymore. And when I finished my treatment and I, I looked up, I realized that I was depressed. And I also realized, quite frankly, that I wanted to die. I just didn't want to die from cancer. And I had a complete, um, almost breakdown and uh, an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. And so I realized fairly quickly that cancer changed me. And so I had to change my world. Because the world that I had been in didn't fit anymore. And that's really when I thought about and decided to write the book. Because uh, there's not a lot out there that prepares people for not fitting into a life that's the only life that they know. And uh, I just felt such a strong pull to tell my story
0: to help prepare other people. It took tremendous courage to face that reality how do you wrap your head around it and feel like you're enough
2: you know i know this is going to sound a little strange but i would say the first and most important thing that i had to do was forgive myself for getting cancer
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know and and most people we all know intellectually that we don't give ourselves cancer it's not it's not really our fault and we know that intellectually but there's a piece of you that says you know, could I have avoided this or that asks, you know, could I've avoided this if I didn't take on so much stress, if I didn't do so much of this or so much of that. And I just had to get to a point where I forgave myself for getting cancer. And once I did that, I could move forward and really start to think about what I needed to do next, what I was supposed to do next and what I was meant to do. But until I freed myself from feeling responsible for my cancer, I was paralyzed.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. These lessons apply, of course, not just to cancer, but to other life-changing things. The the lessons in your book are applicable to any tremendously difficult circumstance.
0: And these are the kinds of things that so often leaders are not, give. they don't give themselves, let alone having other people give permission yeah. to facing. We're all human. We, all of us have these kinds of human issues that we're dealing with, and we deal with them uniquely. And we need to as you're sharing, we need to be able to give ourselves our own compassion and forgiveness and then start making choices. Yes, you know, you're leading me into one of my
2: um, favorite phrases in the book, which uh-huh. is, uh, you know, it's choice, not chance that changes your life. Exactly. And uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about chance and about luck and I truly believe that it is choice, not chance, that changes your life.
0: That was the thing that impacted me so much. (laughs) So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Charlene Wheelis, author of You Are Enough, about immediately useful ideas for applying these life lessons from her book. Stay with us.
1: You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. If you're interested in more episodes
0: related to leadership, mindset, and self-care, listen to our episode 150, Burnout in the C-Suite, Why It Happens and How to Beat It. Our guest is Tina Greenbaum, LCSW, a holistic psychotherapist and author of the book Mastery Under Pressure. We discuss the difference between healthy and unhealthy stress and the important questions to ask yourself when you're faced with extremely tough situations.
1: You can listen to our conversation with Tina Greenbaum by going to growthignitersradio.com Select episode 193 and click on the link in our resources section. And so you never miss out on a new episode, join our community to receive new episode alerts. Go to growthignitersradio.com and sign up now.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Charlene Wheelis about some of the life lessons that she's distilled into her brand new book, You Are Enough. Charlene, Remind us how people can find out more about you and your book.
2: Sure, uh, from my website on charlenewheelis.biz. The book is also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and then also on social media, primarily LinkedIn, where you can find me at Charlene Wheelis.
0: Okay, and reminding you all, you can find links and other information by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 193, and scrolling down to resources. This is the part of our podcast where we talk about the immediately useful ideas, things that you who are listening can just start doing right away. And in this case, it's to help CEOs and other top leaders and people they lead to apply the lessons from the book, You Are Enough. So, Charlene, let's talk about the first immediately useful idea.
2: Uh, First, I would say uh, mindset and that leaders and CEOs really should think about the mindset that they have going into the continued leadership of their company. And what I mean by that is to recognize that your employees are traumatized and that they're dealing with a lot You know, the last year and a half um, has been tremendously difficult for employees. And your job as a leader is to provide psychological safety so that your employees can comfortably work without fear of judgment, without fear of not measuring up, you know, because there isn't any one situation today that fits into the norm because Mm -hmm. there is no norm anymore. So be flexible, be human, be compassionate, be empathetic. There's magic in that you know, over this last, you know, year and a half where people talk about they have Zoom fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, I'm probably one of the few people who doesn't have it. And the reason is because when I've talked to people on Zoom, and for those who don't have, you know, uh, their virtual backgrounds on, but their real backgrounds, it's a it's been a reminder to me that, you know, this is a person I'm talking to about this report, or this next thing that needs to get done. And and in the background, I'm able to see a slice of their life of what matters to them, right? whether it's pictures of people, whether it's that random, you know, pet that Zoom bombs uh, or the, your kid that Zoom bombs, you know, whatever it is, I've learned so much more about people. And uh, as a leader, I want to continue to remember that, you know, everyone has a story, mm-hmm. you know, and I want, I want to really bring that back to the workplace and remember that as I engage with people. And I think that when we authentically connect with people, they authentically connect with the company, with the work that they're doing, and also with being successful.
1: Okay. That's great. Oh, well, this is a good starting point. This is Charlene, that's a good one. Uh, what's a second immediately useful idea that somebody could take on?
2: So the second one, which I think builds on, builds upon the first one, mm-hmm. is recognize that because we've all been working so differently that people have to ease back into whatever is going to be the new normal or the next normal. You know, few people can jump back into the office and start performing immediately at 100%. We're still a little frightened, we're uneasy, we don't know what everything means. Uh, as a leader, give people some grace and some room, and also give yourself some grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't expect so much from yourself that you end up being
0: the opposite of a good leader. So give yourself some grace. That's a really good point. So Charlene, what's the third immediately useful idea? So the third one, and you'll see that I'm um, that I'm on a theme
2: here um, today. Yeah. Self-care matters, right? you know, we often as leaders say, well, you know, I'm harder on myself than I am on anyone else. Um, and while that's good, the fact that you're using that as an excuse for being difficult is not so good. We learned again uh through the, this last year and a half plus Uh, that self-care matters. It matters to take time out to give you what you need. So, you know, as I said before, you know, don't forget all of the good parts that came out of the pandemic, where we had to reconnect with ourselves and find out what do we enjoy doing? Whether you are, are a leader or an employee, you know, trying to do it all, you know, remember a dead battery can't jump a dead battery. So give yourself some time to take care of yourself.
0: This is such an important message. And we want to really thank you for being our guest today on Growth Igniters Radio and wish you all the best with your book and your keynote as it goes out into the world. Oh, thank you very much. It's been such a
2: pleasure to be with you both.
1: Thanks, Charlene. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode go to growthignitersradio.com select episode 193
0: until next time this is pam harper and
1: scott harper wishing
0: you continued success and leaving you with this question to think about
1: what is one thing i can do starting today to tap into helping myself and the people i lead so that we can feel that we are being enough